0: Amen. Thank you, choir. Ephesians chapter 4. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. And you might be thinking, Rusty, why Ephesians? I thought we were back in Isaiah this morning. Um, well, quite honestly, I, I was at uh, General Assembly recently, and I, I got together with a group of men, and we were sitting around a table, and we were talking. And these are guys that I'd gone to school with. And as we began to talk, suddenly, I began to notice that their language began to just turn crass, all these young pastors. Um, and if, if you were to address that, often what you might hear is, that's legalism, Rusty. God doesn't really care what comes out of our mouth. What about grace? And there's a lot of truth in that. And so we want to look at Ephesians 4, 29 to 30, and I, I want to spell out why, why it matters what comes out of our mouth. Okay? So does that make sense? Okay, Ephesians 4, verse 29 and 30. Let me give you some background. In chapter 4, Paul talks about sinful conduct and all those it affects. And so he, he talks about lying, anger, stealing, and unwholesome talk. He says it affects the neighbors, the enemy, needy ones, the listeners. And here, most importantly, It affects your relationship with the Holy Spirit. So the greatest effect of our sin is grieving the Spirit of Christ in us. So Paul is telling us when we choose a sinful lifestyle or we choose to disobey the Lord, it is not just breaking a few rules. But it's quenching The spirit and grieving the heart of the one who loves us most. So, if you would read with me Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I'm going to start around verse 25 and read down. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. But let's take a moment and just pray for the preach word. Father, we want to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. We want to love our neighbor as ourselves, Lord, and one of the ways to do that is be mindful of the words we speak, that they give grace and salt to those around us, and they honor you. Lord, Father, we don't want to be those caught up in the law and 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 judging everything that we do, but yet at the same time, we want to be men and women who love your law and men and women who do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, but just the opposite. We want to be led by the Spirit. Father, we want to live in the Spirit, oh God. We want to have deep and rich worship times by the Holy Spirit. Father, and so let us hate the things that grieve the Spirit, which sometimes can be what comes out of our mouth. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, Jennifer and I were involved in a church, and when we got there, there was a young couple that we we very much connected with. And we thought, oh, you know, this is... This is. Uh, these will be good friends, because every church that we go to, we always pray for one or two good friends, which we haven't found here yet. <laughs> Woo, that was a zinger. Mm-hmm. No, no, lots of good friends here. And so there was this young couple, and we thought, you know, I, I think we'll really get to be good friends with them. And after we were there just several months, we we began to notice that in the church and in the youth group in particular, there was a strong criticism, a critical spirit that was coming out. And we began to pinpoint, because it wasn't a very large church, that it was really like coming out of this particular couple, the husband in particular. He was the source of it. Well, one evening he asked me, he said, Rusty, I'd like to go get some ice cream, And I said, fantastic, let's go do that. And we went and got some ice cream. And as we were there talking, as soon as we ordered, he sat down and he began to talk for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, critically. Literally, as if he had a phone list of everybody in the church. He went down the list and finally I couldn't take it anymore. I stopped him. I said, I can't can't hear any more of this. If you have a criticism of someone, you have to go to them. And later I realized it was his critical spirit, his harsh words that was destroying his family from the inside out, his children, our church, and himself spiritually. Now in Ephesians 4, it tells us what not to do with our words, and then on the opposite side, what to do. He says, don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. So, one great way to grieve the body of Christ and the spirit of Christ is in your words. And he says, don't do that. And then he tells you, okay, so what should we do with our words? Speak only what builds up others and their needs. So, all words that come from your mouth should be edifying, building up others according to their needs. So I want to ask you, brothers and sisters in the Lord, do you grieve the body of Christ, other Christians, with your words? And Paul is talking more than just foul language, but it's critical words, harsh words, negative things, untrue things, gossip, slander, those things are destructive to the body and to the Holy Spirit in you. Now, so often where I see it and in my own heart and in others is not necessarily with co-workers, but it's with those who are close to you, isn't it? The closest. Your parents, your children, your spouses. It is those that our critical language begins to destroy So, do your words build up believers? Do they build up your family? Do they give grace to those around? Do they encourage people and their needs and their weaknesses? Do they encourage people to come and worship the Savior regardless of what condition that they find themselves in? So here's our main idea today that your words must not give grief but grace to those who hear. It's got a little jingle to it this morning. Your words don't need to give grief, but they have to give grace to those who hear. Now, there's two things. Just two this morning. We have the Lord's Supper, so we're going to be brief. Two things that we want to see here. First is words that give grief to the body and the Spirit of Christ. So look there in your Bibles with me. I believe it's verse 29. Notice what he says. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. And then he goes on. Do not grieve the spirit of God, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, now in the, the native language, there's two imperatives or commands here, and they're connected. Right? You see those two commands? They're connected. And the idea is an ongoing process. Right? Unwholesome talk, don't do that. And it leads to grieving the spirit. Don't do that. Those two are connected. Notice those words, let no unwholesome talk. And you say, okay, Rusty, what does unwholesome talk mean? Does that mean when I'm talking with cereal in my mouth? Well, that might be unwholesome in one way, but but here the Greek is used for rotten wood, is what it means. Rotten fish or withered flowers. And the idea is unclean, polluted, unpure, vulgar language. Okay, and notice he says no, right? Which is the idea of every word, each word, every particular word, everything that proceeds from your mouth. Not one word is to smell polluted or vulgar. Not one word. Not one critical, slandering, gossip, obscene, coarse word is to pass from the believer's mouth. Now, such unwholesome talk has a result, right? Not only on those around us, but it has a result from the one who dwells in us. Verse 30, look in your Bibles with me. Notice how he says, Do not grieve the Spirit. You say, okay, Rusty, what does that mean? To grieve the Spirit literally is the idea of giving pain. He's telling you, don't give pain to the Spirit of God that dwells in you. Now, it's not just a feeling he's talking about. He's not talking about just losing a feeling. He's talking about a person that we hurt with our words. A relationship that we damage deeply with our love, with our words. A love that we reject with our words. So, we are not to think of our sins in terms of just breaking God's law, which it certainly is, but it's grieving His heart. He grieves because He loves us. And sin, in essence, is rejecting that love and rejecting His presence in us. So an unbeliever can resist the Spirit, but only you, his children, his family can grieve the Spirit. Because He loves you so much. So even though we can grieve Him, yet notice the good news here. He doesn't reject us. Look in your Bible. Sealed for the day of redemption. So Paul there, he's assuring us the Spirit's still with you. Even though you might grieve Him, even though you might struggle, you might have critical language or struggle with gossip. From the beginning, you're sealed. Right? It's Ephesians 1 Ephesians 1.13. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, a promised Holy Spirit. It was a deposit, a guarantee of our inheritance. So the Spirit himself is a mark, a deposit that you belong to God. It's a guarantee of your inheritance and of your salvation. And from beginning to end, until the day of redemption, the day of judgment, when we are fully redeemed, you will have the Spirit. You're sealed with it. But yet, what he's telling us is don't grieve him. Don't grieve him. His presence might be there, but your relationship with the Spirit can certainly be stretched. And I think personally, what it, what it does is our, our sin, particularly with our mouth of, of criticism or foul language, it gives us blind eyes and deaf ears from hearing the Spirit. So is the Spirit still in me? Absolutely. But the sin of my heart has blinded my eyes so that I've grieved Him and I don't hear Him anymore until there's repentance made. But praise God for His grace I'm still sealed. Some years ago, I served on a commission. There was a pastor in a church situation that wasn't very healthy and I was asked to come in with some folks and and deal with it. And in that Situation, I met an older elder and he said to me, he said, Rusty, can I call you? I want to tell you an experience I've had about God's love. I said, Yeah, give me a call. So he called me and we talked for two hours. And he said, Look, I've been a, an elder in the, in the PCA for years and years and I've been a believer for over 30 years. Fantastic. He said, And then I was invited to go to a revival at a Methodist church and God's spirit worked in me like you would not fathom. I just wept at how much God loved me. Amazing. Tell me more. And this went on for months and months and months. I just want to wake and worship and, oh, have I ever known that God actually loved me because of the depth he was experiencing? Wow. Tell me more. And then I was asked by this group of church leaders to go, not necessarily our church, but, but church leaders nationally, well known people, to go on this retreat on an island. And he said, it was fantastic. They taught me so much about grace and love, they cussed like sailors. And they taught me too. <laughs> I almost dropped the phone. When I heard that, my heart sank. Because the essence of what he was saying is, I am getting gospel love. Fantastic. Now I'm going to respond to that love by grieving him, rejecting his love, doing the very thing that he told me not to do. And the result is, if he continues, he might intellectually understand how much God loves him and tell you about it. But by grieving the spirit, he will not experience it like he could. And his relationship with the father will grow distant and cold. So I want to encourage you, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Why? Well, one of the reasons is it grieves God and His Spirit. And there will be a distance in your relationship with Him until repented of. Let's go to the second thing. Your words must not give grief, but grace to those who hear. Let's move from words that give grief to words that give grace. If you look in your Bible with me at verse 29.2, words that give grace to the believer, it says this, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So here's the positive How are we to speak, believer? Well, your speech is principally not to be for yourself. Not to be self-centered, self-satisfying, self-glorious, self-honoring. In other words, it's not about making you good. It's not about glorifying yourself, displaying your greatness, but something very, very different. Notice what he says, to build up. So the act of building up the body of Christ with your words. And then he goes on. How do you do that? As meet their needs. Do you see that there? As meet their needs. So the idea is your words are to build up other believers' faith in their needs. So where there's a need, there's building, encouraging, edifying words, maybe even words of correction and rebuke. Now, stop. Can most Christians do that? No. Why? Because we don't know the hearts of God's people well enough. I don't know your needs well enough unless I'm living in community, unless I know you. I don't know how you're hurting unless I'm involved in your life. So we can say, how are you? Oh, bless your heart. (laughs) But we can't say, how's your heart of peace, since I know you're deeply struggling with anxiety right now. My friends, that's exactly what Paul the Apostle did. Listen, 1 Corinthians 3.2, he says, I give you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. In other words, he knew their hearts. He knew where they were, and he knew they needed the milk of the word. Now, notice this. Look at the result of that. Look at the result. That it may minister grace to the hearer. My friends, the result of your words by the power of the Spirit is It gives grace, which means it gives ability to the believer, to the church, to your wife, to your husband, to your children, and most of all, to your new pastor. Is that it? (laughs) Okay, keep going. So, how do we think and live this? How do you, okay, Rusty, I understand what you're saying. How do I take that from my head to my heart? Well, two things. We'll close with this. To be able to minister grace. Two things the Bible is calling you to do. First, you need to know the church. You need to care for other Christians. You need to listen to them. You need to know what their needs are and what's going on with them. How they need encouragement. What do I mean? Listen, you can't take up this verse and many others unless you are involved with other believers, actively asking them questions and listening to what's going on in their life so that then you can speak words of encouragement or words of truth or words of edification when they're struggling parenting. When their 16-year-old is going off the rails. You need to be involved deeply, have your hands deeply involved in the dirt of their life. That's how we grow as believers. It's not just pastors and elders' jobs, it's your job. You're a believer. The Spirit is in you, God has equipped you. The second part of that is you need to make yourself known, you need to be vulnerable with people. You've got to live in community. So, people can speak truth to you, so they can know what's going on in your life, so they can get under your hood. I don't care how long you've been walking with Jesus. You need other believers. It is one of the means of grace to you. And it is very prideful and is very arrogant not to live in community because what you're saying is, I don't need it. God says I do, but I know I don't. You need to be known. And you need to have people involved in your heart, your life, your mind, what's going on, so they can minister truth. And listen, last thing I'll say about this, is the Holy Spirit will use other brothers and sisters to speak truth to you in powerful ways when you make yourself known. So be involved in our community groups. Be involved in our Wednesday night groups. Don't just come to church and then leave and not make yourself known. That's how we grow in our relationship with God and in our joy. Please pray with me. Father, thank you so much uh, for the Spirit. Lord, thank you that there is a living person in us. So much so that and the intimacy between us and the Spirit is so close, the union is so dynamic, that our very words grieve Him. Lord, I pray for every believer here that there would be close intimacy with the Spirit, being led by, hearing from the Spirit in us. I pray for the brothers and sisters here now that when people come into our church and our community, Lord, that they would find such an encouraging group of believers who listen, ask good questions and have wonderful truths to say to each other, who are truly interested in others' lives because they want to show the love of Christ. God, be honored, be glorified in our time. In Jesus' name, amen.